it's good to be back after the Yom Toivim. Um, I don't like saying that you have to get back to reality. I think the Yom Toivim really are reality. And I think that when we feel uplifted and when we are, uh, feel close to Hashem and we're happy, that's, that's what reality is all about. The question is how we continue that. And part of it is not by fooling ourselves to think that we'll always be in some exciting, happy state of mind or uh, enjoying ourselves. Not always it is, is Yom Tov, not always some, for some people Yom Tov is more stressful, but I mean to say that there's definitely the routine, the daily routine of Shulam Ba'ez and Chenech and things that, that, that come up. So let's start with something on Pashas Barayshas. And that's a, a, a story that I saw um, in Asa Kaddishas, the Saifa Asa Kaddishas brings a story that Imri Yosef told about a Talmud from the Ateris Tzvi. It means that a, a Talmud of the Ateris Tzvi um, at some point, somebody somebody said Lushnara about him to his to his Rebbe, so you should know that he's he's himself a Rebbe. He's not anymore a Talmud like he used to be, and he said some kind of Lushnara, something that, that made the Tzvi have Chalish Sadas. Anyway, sure enough, a short time later, this Talmud actually came to the Tzvi, and when he came, the Tzvi gave him Shumalaych, and he said, you know, I'm surprised that you're coming to me. That's what he mentioned. And this Talmud had no idea what it was about. He didn't know that there was a Lushan Hara said about him. He didn't know that the Rebbe uh, had bad feelings toward him for whatever reason. And he didn't know what it was. So the first thing he said right away was, Rebbe, I hope the Rebbe is moichel me. And I came because I want to be close to the Rebbe. Me, Makaba, whatever I can. That's right. Right away the test. He said, very good. I'm moichel and, and we'll take it from there. Anyway, after a few days being there, and he saw that the Rebbe is uh, okay with him, so he mustered up the courage to say, you know, when, that when I came, the Rebbe made this comment, what was it about? That's when the Rebbe realized that he didn't even know what it was about. And he explained to him what it was, uh, you know, what he heard about him, and, and whatever, I guess it, it was resolved. And the Rebbe three said after that, that if only Udom Rishim would have done what you did, things would have been so much better. Hashem asks him, Ayeku, where are you? What's going on? And right away he starts getting defensive and answering and, and, and giving excuses and whatever it was, instead of just saying, Hashem, I did the wrong thing and uh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Now, interestingly, the story goes that, you know, this, this Talmud said, I'm sorry, and he took, you know, he took whatever blame and he assumed that he should be taking. And later he did come back and say, what did I do wrong? That's fine. The point is not that a person should just get stepped on and always take the blame and always just ask forgiveness and always understand that he's at fault. No. But the initial reaction that people have sometimes is to get so defensive that people can't communicate properly. Somebody asks a question. I spoke about this recently in a Komavasashir. Uh, somebody, somebody asks a question and the answer is, well, what, what should I have done differently? I don't understand. What were you thinking? How, all the person answers a question. Like, what time did you get here? The question wasn't why you were late, or the question wasn't that you're always late. The question simply was why you came at a certain time. There's an answer to that question, but people get so defensive. And, and, and this is what that Tzvi was saying. If only the magician knew how to answer the question, Ayaka, where are you? What's happening? And right away, just, just, you know, just surrender and, and not get so defensive, and not, not, not be right, and not justify everything you're doing, and not have tightness that it's your wife and you this and whatever else the magician did. But that was definitely something... Um, very important. So, so yes, it's important to explain yourself. It's important to justify yourself when you should. But you have to know when to do it and how to do it, and not to do it in a way that just that just makes you feel like you're just a, a victim and somebody's picking on you. And obviously, it doesn't it doesn't help anyone. So that's a very big lesson that we could all learn: how to communicate, how to say something, how to let someone else say something. It's just you know, people, people get very stuck on these on these kind of things. So, without going into more detail on this, even though there's a lot to say about it, a lot, a lot to say about it. Um, but let me, let me read a question. And this question actually came almost with what I would call an answer. 
Now, so let me, let me read an email that came and a follow-up email that came from the same questioner. Hello, thank you for your eye-opening shurim and book. I'm very much into self-help books and listening to speeches regarding the topic of marriage and chinuch. I also went to see a therapist to work out the trauma of pregnancy loss that happened quite early in our marriage. My husband, on the contrary, finds this all, to say the least, very unimportant, and if it gets to him, then he would even make, he, he would even disregard what I'm doing. Even me going to the therapist didn't quite resonate with him, and he thought it was a waste of time, to which I responded that he doesn't know, he doesn't know me too well, and I'm suffering from that trauma. My question is as follows. How do I get my husband to understand that these things are helpful and it wouldn't hurt him either to listen to a few of your speeches and read your book, if it would be in Yiddish, that is. Thank you. So by the way, my book is coming out in Yiddish in the near future, in Yitz Hashem, and in Hebrew too. So that was the question. The question is that my husband doesn't, doesn't understand what I need and what I'm going through, and he, you know, he does away with it. And the question is how I can get him to understand me better. Okay. Then I got a follow-up email. This is going back a, a while. A short while. Hello, I'm sending you a follow-up to my first email. I think it's fair enough you should know that the question I sent you was already answered. After I sent out my question to you, I randomly continued listening to your show, to your Shurim on Torah time, both in Yiddish and English. After a few lectures, both from Weekly Shurim and from Kerav Tuni, I changed my approach towards my husband. Lo and behold, this past Shabbos, after being married for X amount of years, my husband opened up to me for the first time, telling me also that he had that battled inside from when he was a young boy. After that conversation, was, which was longer than any conversation we ever had, even in Sheva Bruchus, I understood his resistance to accepting what other people tell him. And listening to Yishurim not related to anything like Torah learning, I understood why he's resisting that. Even going so far as to hold me from accepting what others say, being scared, I will get as hurt as him. Until now, we always had a power of Ashurim bias, and we weren't fighting, but there sure wasn't a very deep bond between us. I always blamed it on him having no communication skills and killing every conversation I was trying to make with him. I hated going on walks or vacations because it was just so boring. There are more things I couldn't stand and, and anymore just because I felt that it was also so boring. All this changed so drastically for the good. I wanted to share all this with you so you should know what amazing work you are doing by sharing your classes on Torah anytime free of charge. You changed our quality of life so drastically without you even knowing it. Hashem should continue giving you Shabbat helping shape Kal Yisrael and bringing more Shulim into the world. Thank you. And P.S. Thank you for your weekly Torah lessons. Those are the essays that I send around weekly. Okay, so that was a beautiful feedback, and I appreciate it. Um, and actually, I just heard this from another person as well, who also told me that after reading my book, this was probably just recently, after reading my book, um, it's been years that they're married, and they just, he just was able to open up to his wife and have some kind of conversations that he never had until now and communicate better. Now, so th- this, this questioner writes that, you know, she had a question. The question was, how do I get my husband to understand me? And she writes that the question was answered already. She doesn't exactly say what the answer is. And I want to explain it. I think the moral of the story, and, and I think what the answer really is, is, is the benefit of open and healthy communication. Um, I, I don't know if in the past this couple didn't try it at all, or they tried it and, and weren't successful at it, which is more what it sounds like, uh, actually. Um, but it's not a question that open and healthy communication does a lot for anyone in any relationship, especially marriage. Now, being that this, these emails came in a few months ago, I'm hopeful that this is continuing on. And if it is, then, then again, then you reap the benefits of open and healthy communication, understanding each other. If it's not, then it should be, and we should try it again. But just to spell it out for the people listening, and to try to give uh, what I think would be you know, an answer to the question, as well as try to explain what's really happening over here. So let's, let's, let's break down some rules of healthy and open communication. Okay, you have somebody who's been through a difficult time, 
let's say, uh, some trauma, some whatever it is, some pain, or whatever it is, whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be an experience uh, per se. It could be anything, any kind of emotional, internal, personal, psychological, mental, or spiritual, anything, any kind of struggle somebody's dealing with. Okay, And they, they're feeling a certain way about it. So let's, let's break down a few rules of communication, which I assume that if this couple um, um, you know, worked out, they probably did this. And I think we should all learn from it. The first thing that's very important to understand and, and, and to acknowledge and to, and to be okay with is that you didn't marry a mind reader. And when I say that, I don't only mean the people who um, think that the person should know, they should figure it out. It's not just that they should figure it out. In general, th- assuming that somebody should uh, figure out things or know things, everyone knows, everyone should know, isn't it normal, isn't it expected, you're just hurting yourself by doing that. Okay? If something's on your mind or on your heart and, and somebody else doesn't understand it or didn't figure it out on their own or doesn't get the depth of it or doesn't, it doesn't resonate with them, whatever it is, it's okay. That's how people are. People don't figure things out on their own necessarily. And your friend does, your sister does, okay, some people do, but some people don't. It's okay if the person you're dealing with, the person you're married to, doesn't understand on their own the things the way you understand it. Either because they understand things differently in general or because they weren't told something or they weren't informed of something. So not everything that's on your mind and, mind and, and heart um, should, be, you, you, should it bother you that somebody else didn't get it yet. That's the first thing about communication. How many people take things as a given and you should have gotten, you should know it, everyone knows it, it, it just hurts you, you're hurting yourself and your spouse by assuming things and expecting things that weren't communicated verbally and clearly. That's the first thing. The second thing is that when you're communicating, make sure you're being clear. Before you're being heard, just make sure you're being clear. Say it the way it is. Don't, don't start in middle and don't, don't uh, add all the emotion and all the resentment and all the complaints and, and last year and this year. And don't, just be clear. Be clear about what it is that you're trying to communicate. But more importantly, I would say, is just so that somebody could hear you, let the other person talk as well. So many people think that communication means I'm communicating to you how I feel. Okay? If all I'm doing is communicating to you, but I'm not ready to hear you, then, then I'm not communicating. Then I'm just, I'm just telling you something. Communication means we're communicating. If it's not a two-way street and somebody doesn't feel like you're listening to them as well, and that when something bothered you, you're, you're willing and open to hear why they either didn't get it or why they saw it differently or why they, why they still feel differently even after you're saying it, if you can't do that, you're not communicating. You're not giving someone a chance to, to feel heard. You, you're not really communicating. So it's very important when you're sitting down to talk to someone and express yourself. And they should be doing that to you as well, obviously, letting you feel heard. And you can be clear that that's what you're looking for. But it's important to be able to hear what someone else has to say as well. And it's very hard for some people. It's not enough that I have to tell you that you hurt my feelings. I have to listen to why you did it. Well, you don't have to, but that's what communication is about. And that's what open, healthy communication is. And that's what I think many couples, when they talk about these, wow, these conversations that we're having lately, I think that's what, they, that's what they're referring to. And you should be caring about what someone else is saying. Now, obviously, they, like I said, they should be caring about what you're saying. And, and, and maybe your main motive and objective was to get across your message. But if you're not willing to hear what someone else says, then you're not communicating. And this is, this is very important. And you want to make them feel heard. And you want to make yourself feel heard. And, and this is just so important. So by the time you understand that when you want something communicated, you have to communicate it, and that when something has to be communicated, it's not something you should feel resentful about, that why does it have to be, and that we are two people, and we do see things differently, and it's okay, and we might, even after this conversation, think differently and feel differently, and still have each other heard, and still be able to relate to what each other are feeling, that's, that's something very important. So, like we started off with, you know, when somebody says something and the other person gets defensive right away, instead of just listening and, 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 and being there and understanding, and that, that's not good. But it goes both ways. Because sometimes the questioner is the one who's getting defensive. In other words, sometimes the one who's, who's complaining is so defensive already that the person who's listening doesn't have much of a choice anymore. How can I not get defensive when it sounds from your complaint like I'm the worst person in the world and I never treated you well? I, it's very hard for me to say, you're right, I'm a bad guy. 
So this is, this is a two-way street, and I think anyone who's listening to this, whether you're the, I'm just using the word, I don't mean anything negative, uh, whether if you're the complainer or the one being complained to, I think both, both or everyone has what to learn from this and try to understand the other person and try to make sure that the other person feels heard and be open and, and try to be uh, less emotional and less uh, worked up when, you, when you're communicating something. And, and what I want to point out over here is that while, while I'm happy that it worked out for this couple and for many couples, Baruch Hashem, it, it, she doesn't mention that all of a sudden they share the same perspective about everything. Don't, don't think, don't, don't enter a communication about something assuming that once we communicate about it, we're going to go away feeling the same way. And if we don't, then I'm still going to be hurt. Not enough that I told you, not, not enough that I made myself vulnerable and I opened up to you, but you still think that you're right. It, it's okay. I mean, people definitely tend to think they're right in most cases, um, and that's fine. But more than being right or wrong, it's, it's okay to feel differently about something. If something I feel is terrible and you think it's fine, it's, it, it's very often okay. I mean, we can still talk about it, we can even debate about it in a healthy way, as long as it's not an argument, in, a, in an argumentative way, but as long as it's not getting personal, as long as nobody's getting worked up and upset about it, it's okay. But, but it's, it, you still want to leave the other person room to think differently, as long as they heard you and understand you, and they're not going to make fun of you anymore. Or they're not going to be upset at you anymore for thinking differently. So that's also very, very important. And, and, and it's so important to realize that it's, it, it will always be okay to address things differently. Don't think that because you got married or because someone thought it was a good shidduch or because it was a good shidduch or it is a good shidduch, that means that you're expected to think and feel the same way. This is, this is basic. This is basic. It's fundamental and basic. And, and not everyone knows it. So this is something people get resentful about. Now I do want to pick up on another line of the, of the original question. Okay. Again, things worked out over here. Baruch Hashem. I don't mean anything negative. Um, but when, my, when your husband thought you were wasting your time going for therapy, I responded that he doesn't know me too well, and I'm suffering from that trauma. Now, people, people pull this card a lot of times. Okay, not, not in the bad. Nobody means anything bad. You, you don't know me. You don't get me. You don't understand me. What do you get? These are very hurtful comments, by the way. And people say it. Um, it's, it's sometimes the way someone feels, and they're just being honest about expressing how they feel now. And sometimes it's a way of shutting someone up. You know, if you tell me that I'm overreacting, or you tell me that, that I'm wrong about something, one of the ways to remain right and to, and to make you wrong is by saying, oh, you don't get me. <laughs> you, you don't get me. See, I, I don't have what to talk to you about. You just don't understand me. Now, aside from the fact that it might be totally off, it's, it's, it's hurtful. It's a very personal message. It's a very general message. And telling your spouse, if you're married to for a few years, you don't get me, you don't understand me, what do you understand? This is something that, that, that's very hurtful. So aside from the fact that it's probably not accurate... It's, not, it's something that people use in conversations often, and it's a very hurtful, and nobody likes to hear it. And whoever, whoever says a comment like that, like, you, you, don't, you don't get me, uh, should think if they'd like to hear if somebody else told it, told it to them. Now, could it be that somebody doesn't get you? Well, it could be. Uh, and the reason why I say it could be is because on some level, nobody will ever get you. The therapist tells you, you're right, mm-hmm, I understand, may not either get you, they might not have either experienced exactly what you experienced or felt it the way you felt it or experienced it the way you experienced it. We're all different. That's fine. They might still get you to some extent. Right? So that, that's just... And, and, and the, ne- the next point is that when somebody doesn't get you, it doesn't mean that they didn't get it. They understood it. They heard it as much as it was possible. To, and they don't get you because they still feel differently. So again, I'm happy to hear that after conversations, you know, these kind of feelings go away and, and Baruch Hashem, it's not something that, that you seem to be dealing with anymore, but there are other people that are dealing with this and it's important to understand, don't, don't pull that on anyone, you don't, you don't get me. Maybe they don't get you, maybe they don't have to get you, maybe they'll never get you, maybe you don't get them, maybe, maybe everyone only gets themselves and maybe you don't get yourself. It's just something to think about. We're also subjective and so close to ourselves that we tend to experience our own emotions 
sometimes even to, uh, to a, uh, on an irrational level, sometimes to an extreme. So we don't really get ourselves, we're not being honest with ourselves, and that's normal, right? We're not expecting anyone to see themselves in a totally objective view from the outside. I mean, we might be seeing someone else who's going through the same thing that we're going through and see it differently than, we, than when we do it, because that, that's what it is. So, so telling someone, you don't get me, is, is very often inaccurate and, and sometimes hurtful. It's just some, a comment that I, I picked up on the line, I don't mean to be critical, but I just wanted to mention it, it's also important. Now, let me be daring enough to go into another um, short uh, point. Now, I don't mean this questioner. I'm saying it clearly, not, not as a disclaimer, not because I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't mean this question. If you're dealing with a trauma and you went through a loss, it's not easy, and there's, there's hope and there's support for it, and, and it's understandable. And if a woman has a loss and a, a man doesn't understand it, or a man uh, has his kind of loss, whatever it may be, and a woman doesn't understand it, okay, that's all to be understood. But sometimes people are going through something that isn't that much. And let me say what this means. I don't, I don't mean to trivialize anyone's pain or anyone's um, emotional struggle or anyone's psychological struggle, anything. I don't mean to, to trivialize anything that someone's going through. But it's important to realize that sometimes to a person, everything becomes magnified. And they see their own issue as a major issue that if somebody else doesn't get, that person is actually hurting them by not getting it. It's a very, very important point. I, I saw one of the magazines, this Yomtev. Somebody showed me an article uh, a whole section of a magazine. Maybe some people will know what I'm referring to, which is fine. Um, the the point of the of the section of the magazine was to get a few writers to reach out to some random people, right? Just pick out a number in the phone book and um, call up this person and ask them if they have a, a story to share. Because everyone has a story to share. Okay? So different writers tried, they called different people and got a story to share. Now some stories are interesting because some people have a story to share. You have people out there who they have a very interesting story and a very interesting history or experience that, they, that they've been through and, and they can share the experience and t- talk about it. And if nobody would have asked them, they would have never made it into the magazine and nobody would learn from their experience. Beautiful. And the Kamalamda is cult, you can learn from everyone. Everyone has something to share. Everybody. Everybody has something to share, something you can learn from. But then there are people who think they have a story to share and not really sharing anything. And I think when you start with the assumption that everybody has a story to share, what happens is, I have a major story to share. You know what happened to me? I had a chavrusa, and he was learning with me, and his coffee spilled on me, and, and I, I couldn't get over it, but then I, then I tried, and then I got over it. Sometimes people say things, and they're not really saying anything. If you think everybody has a, a story that's worth sharing, or everything has something that's, that's worth um, spilling on the pages of a magazine, and there must be something to it, and it becomes an issue, it's important to realize it may not be that way. You, you may not be dealing with anything major. Now, one of the stories that was shared in the pages over there was my mother, the way she treated us, the, the parenting, it was all on her terms, the way she understood, and she was always um, doing things the way she liked, and this and that, and the way she was treating us and dressing us. Now, when you start reading it, and the way it's written very well, you, you do start getting some kind of feeling for this person, like, wow, that must have been very tough. And, the, of course, the ending is that I'm parenting my children very differently, and I'm doing... I'm not going to go into nitpick the whole, the whole rant and the whole style and what's what may be underlying the whole issue. All I mean to say is that you know, when, when you're reading through it, you, you're waiting for the punchline. Like, where's the, where was the major abuse? Where did your mother actually lock you out of the house? Or where did she um, shame you in front of all your friends? Or where did she mistreat you? It wasn't there. I want to tell you, it, it just wasn't there. Now, again, I don't mean to trivialize someone's pain. If it was painful growing up in this house, I understand you. Life is... Not easy. This world is a hostile place. Everybody has their, their aggravations in life, and everybody has their disappointments in life, and everybody has their struggles. That's what we're here for. We're not here to you know, just uh, cruise along and, and make believe everything's fine, and, and, and everything will be fine. It doesn't work like that in real life. It just doesn't work like that in real life. 
So to assume that nobody has a story and everybody's just blissfully in, um, cruising through, and obviously that's unreasonable. So yeah, does this this person who's complaining about how she was mothered deserve validation? Definitely. Does she deserve a listening ear? Of course. Could it be that she's 100% right that she wasn't parented correctly? Maybe also. But it's not giving everyone the feeling that their story is a major story and that they're a victim and that they're sharing with the public the terrible parenting they went through. And sometimes that's a disservice because sometimes it, it, it dramatizes things in people's heads and, and people start you know, seeing things differently, inaccurately. So it's just, just food for thought. When I, when I see an article like that, it, like when somebody's given the, the right to be a, a terrible victim and to see their experience as something awful that everyone's going to for sure shake their heads and, and see that it was terrible. I don't know, may, may, maybe it's wrong. May, maybe not everyone should be seeing it that way. Or maybe not everyone could see it that way. Or maybe you're doing just as bad to your children as your mother did to you in a different extreme, which is also something people do often. But I mean to say that when somebody starts complaining about things and you know, when you start listening to it, and I have this often, people call me with, with, with you know, there's a joke about the husband who was listening to his wife and uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So what did I say? Well, nothing. He, didn't, he wasn't really listening. Why? Because sometimes when a wife calls a husband or the other way around, all he's listening to really is just to filter out is, does she, need, does she need me to buy something on the way home or not? I mean, so far she's just ranting about her day and about the kids. And about okay, so at the end of the conversation, he hangs up knowing that nothing important. Now, that's not the way to listen to somebody. But the point is that sometimes you're just listen, filtering through to get the, the idea, like, is something coming through? And often I hear people complain. Well, I married off my son, and he's not respectful, and, and a lot of times he could just call, and he needs something. I'm listening, like, okay, so, so where's the punchline? Like, where did he really do something wrong? I don't know, you're talking five minutes already, and I understand the, the, the discomfort or even the pain of having a son who's not very respectful. I understand the, the pain of a son who's not doing things exactly the way you want, but I don't know, it doesn't sound out of bounds. It doesn't sound like you failed your, your chinuch or that something's a major problem. I understand that you have an issue that your husband um, gets angry when he comes home and things aren't the way it should be. Okay, and? I mean, does he throw things? Does he leave the house? Does he scream at you? No? So, so then what's really the... I'm like, I'm like waiting for the punchline. Now, again, I don't mean to trivialize the discomfort somebody, to happen, somebody has by dealing with something. But if your mother parented you the way she understood, like all mothers do the way they understand, and it wasn't the way you understand, and you think that you went through major trauma and you're sharing it with the whole world because so it's a major story, something about that that, that makes people so connected with their own story, they don't realize that it's cotton candy. Now, again, I don't mean that it's fluff and that you don't deserve for someone to listen to you and that you don't deserve to, you know, to feel bad about yourself, whatever you want to call it, but to start needing healing and major validation and the people who don't think that it was a major experience are, are hurting you and doing you a disservice and, and they don't understand, they don't get it. I don't know, sometimes it's definitely taking way out of bounds. Way out of bounds. So to you, something could be intolerable and to you, something could have been something that was, I don't know, I, just, I don't know how I survived through it. And somebody else may not see it that way. And sometimes it's important to realize that maybe it's only, and, and I say only, I say the word only very carefully, maybe it's only how you feel about it. Maybe it's only the way you see it. And, and it wasn't what you think it was. So this is just, just food for thought. It's not something you could put on anyone and say, you know, I don't think you're really saying anything. But think about it. Just this week, somebody called me from one of the states saying that they sent their child to an out-of-town, to, to an in-town yeshiva. Okay, so I'm not going to give the names exactly, but yeah. um, the idea, it was just funny, that the in-town yeshiva was, to me, living in Borough Park in Brooklyn, where you think that the whole world revolves around New York, this in-town yeshiva wasn't in New York. So someone living in New York, that's, that's out-of-town. Somebody who's further out-of-town thinks that's in-town, because maybe it's in the tri-state area, or maybe it's close to the tri-state area. You know, so it just got me thinking, to one person that could be in-town, one person could be out-of-town. To you, your situation could be out of bounds and intolerable and extraordinary and fascinating and terrible and somebody else, it could not be so bad. 
So let's get back to Shalom Ba'is over here. It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. When you're dealing with something very difficult and your spouse, whoever it is, doesn't understand it that way, sometimes you just have to think that it's okay, you're allowed to feel your way about something and the other person doesn't have to understand it the same way you did. There's just something about that. Now this doesn't absolve anyone from understanding their spouse or listening to their wife clutch and understand them and give the validation and the empathy they need. If somebody's complaining, maybe all they need is just someone to listen to them and validate. Nothing more. It doesn't sound like someone's asking you to do much other than just understand me, which is fine. You should pick up on that hint. <laughs> I called the phone company recently and I was complaining that they changed something in my plan and the guy asked me, I guess, he didn't, he didn't help but he was giving away the hint. He said, well, are you going to leave us if I don't um, fix this for you? and change back the plan because really it's not on the plan anymore but are you going to leave our service if I don't do it for you I guess he was told to only do it if somebody threatens to leave but I didn't threaten I'll leave the plan but he was basically offering me that are you going to leave us if I don't so I said yeah I will he said okay then I'll change it back for you sometimes someone's giving you away the hints all I need is for you to understand me so if somebody wants you to understand them don't think well you're not saying anything anyway and it's not so bad don't, no that's not your cheshman to make but if you're feeling misunderstood by someone else it's important to think that maybe that person doesn't see it as a major issue. And maybe it's, made, maybe it's major to you. Like that joke I, I often say about the guy who said, when he heard someone complaining, a whole you know, sob story, he said, wow, that, that's, that's pretty bad, but it could have been worse. You know, how, how could it have been worse? Well, if it would have happened to me, it would have been worse. That's how we all are. So anyway, it's just important to understand that there's definitely different perspectives. And a husband and wife are allowed to have different perspectives. And when you're feeling misunderstood by someone, it's important to understand that that, that's, that's part of what life is about, having people see and feel differently about things. And then the open and healthy communication could still bring people closer and take away a lot of the resentment, take away a lot of the difficult feelings. And when people open up and understand each other and realize, oh, all you needed is for me to listen to you. Oh, all you really had an issue with was because of your past not bringing or because of whatever else. Oh, we understand each other better. We could feel so much closer. We could, we could be a healthier couple. We could, we could understand each other. We cannot be upset at each other. We could know how to make the other person feel good, even if we don't see things exactly the way they do. I mean, I wish myself with this kind of open and healthy communication. We could live together by have a